0: This is a conversation with Ray Johnson and Laurie Rappaport. Hi, Ray. Hi, Laurie.
1: Hi, Ray. And Serge. And Serge. So um,
0: a few months ago, we started talking about having this conversation about the poetic body. And maybe you want to just talk a little bit about how that came about.
2: Sure. I'll I'll start Um, because... In fact, the the idea of having conversations around this topic came originally from some work that I was doing with Meridian University in um, in the North Bay area in California, um, because Meridian is in the process of developing a somatic psychology concentration, and also had a history of drawing on the expressive arts in their graduate programs in psychology. And so together with the folks at Meridian, um, I helped put together and host a symposium called The Poetic Body with the idea that there was some real shared territory between somatic psychologists and expressive arts therapists in that... As practitioners, we all work with a territory in the human experience and the human psyche that has to do with things that are implicit, not very clear, and often more easily elicited through creative process than anything else. Um, And I guess I also at this point want to acknowledge the fact that I borrowed this term, the poetic body, Uh, for the symposium from um, something that Thomas More wrote in Care of the Soul. And although he didn't say very much about it, the idea of the body as something that wasn't um, an object, but rather a very alive and creatively oriented subject was intriguing to me. So that's that's how I got to choose the poetic body as the title for this symposium, and Laurie was one of the presenters that we invited to speak at the symposium because of her background, both as a focusing practitioner and trainer, as well as an art therapist. So mm-hmm. she really brought both of those elements uh, to the conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, Laurie. Do you want yes. to say a little something about that experience or what it meant to you?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I was really excited when I got invited to be part of this symposium on a panel. And when I first received the invitation, I was like, oh, wow, they invited me to be on the somatic psychology panel. And I hadn't really identified Myself in the somatic psychology arena, and it kind of woke me up to the fact that oh yes, actually, <laughs> that is what I have been <laughs> doing um, for over thirty. You're one th- of us, Lori. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for over thirty years, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I've been a focusing trainer. I learned focusing over thirty years ago. At the same time that I was studying expressive arts therapy at Leslie University. And when I was learning focusing, at the same time that I was in the expressive arts program, I was like, when I, I, when I would focus, I would say, "Oh my goodness, this is so familiar." and there was a sense that this is what happens when i'm engaged in the expressive arts and the thing is though that the focusing added heightened awareness more conscious awareness to everything that was happening on the somatic level and it and it added a mindfulness component so i was i was so excited that i was invited and um it was just an incredible symposium because there was this very rich interchange of you know people who had been doing somatic work for so long and then it was really a, a very new beginning conversation to to begin the the integration or the crossing of the arts with somatics
0: yeah so um, we're at the uh, at this crossing at this intersection where, um, there's something happening where the body is not an object, uh, the, uh, and there's something happening that we cannot really put into explicit language, but at an implicit level. That's what Mm -hmm. both of you are talking about. Right. So how can we maybe give a little bit of sense of that experience to people? uh maybe not necessarily talking about it uh but some examples or what would what would give a sense of that experience to people
2: well if if it's all right maybe i'll just share a little bit from my from my own both personal and and clinical experience to provide some illustrations mhm mhm on a personal level what drew me to become a somatic psychotherapist, as well as someone who um, very strongly draws on the arts, both in my own life and in my practice, is the fact that I think, in a way that that's maybe very similar to what Laurie has just described. I recognized a similar experience both when I was deeply connected to my embodied self. That is, when I was really in sensation and and embodied awareness, and when I was engaged in art. Mm -hmm. That there was something about both of those experiences that made me feel alive, awake richly resourced with sensation and inspiration and imagery and i put the two fields together just because for me they had this shared experience in common it wasn't a it wasn't a you know a theoretical matching of Oh, here's somatic psychology and here's expressive arts therapy. What do they have in common? let's look at let's look at the you know, shared theoretical underpinnings and the mm-hmm. and the conceptual basis. It was both of these experiences make me feel the same way in my state. and And so it was, for me, a, a process of growing up, dancing and drawing. And writing poetry that very much connected to my sense of who I was in my body. That these experiences with art made me feel alive in my body. And that in doing body-oriented work, either through my own exploration or by, you know, engaging in a body-oriented psychotherapy session, or a body-oriented, movement-oriented practice, that what happened for me that really elicited the material that I wanted to access was not just checking in with my body on a sensory level, but allowing my body to give me images or words or sounds that had a very artistic, very poetic quality to them.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That my
2: body didn't speak in literal language, it spoke in poetry, yeah. and that by listening to my body as a producer of poetry, by by listening with those ears, the ears of a poet, I was much better able to understand and connect to my embodied experience than when I tried to listen very literally like there's a little, you know, small contraction in my zoas. That didn't do it for me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, when
2: I, but when I, when I allowed an image to emerge from that tight place in my, my body, then I got it. That I could understand. That I could relate to. That I could work with. So I, I learned to work with myself in that way. And by extension, when When I sought out psychotherapy training opportunities, I naturally gravitated to those modalities and approaches that were both body-centered and arts-focused. There aren't many of them that integrate the two of them really well, but there are some, and when there weren't, I chose separate ones and I put them together myself. And that was how I found myself best able to work with clients, was to find the poetry in the exploration of their body that we were engaged in,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So that finding the poetry, and the exploration, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and uh, you said a lot of very beautiful things that I'm going to try and and separate a few strands. But sure. um, one thing is that in your own experience. Um, There's something that was very powerful to notice that actually um, the experience was very similar when you were, uh, when you are very connected to your body uh, and when you're in a creative artistic mode. And so uh, we're not talking about something of putting together separate things, but actually it starts from that profound realization that your experience is similar. And uh, coming from there is the other uh, insight is to notice that when you actually listen to the language of your body, um, you get more understanding and more connection and more communication uh, when you listen in a poetic mode than when you listen in a literal mode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. so so that uh, poetic body is um, is is really in a way um, relational about how you want to be with yourself and a sense that's more coming up um, when you are both mindful connected to the body and in a poetic mode
2: I, that's that's exactly it that that for me um, understanding and supporting myself to allow my relationship to my body to be one that's artful um, has been both really illuminating and has shifted my understanding of the forms that knowledge can take. Because I think in this culture we're very, um, we're very socialized to think of knowledge as always being literal and factual and to be skeptical of metaphor that somehow metaphor and symbol and creativity is a little messy. It's a little sloppy. It's not precise and accurate. And what I found both in my own explorations with myself and in the clinical work that I've done with clients, is that the creative and the poetic and the metaphoric not only can very precisely capture the meaning of something that's going on in the body, in the self, that it not only captures it, it also elicits more. That it's it's a... The creative process is a process that allows me to draw on many, many aspects of experience and integrate them and synthesize them and express them without losing richness or depth or, I think, actually in the long run, accuracy. I just think it's a different way of understanding what we usually think of to be accurate information.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when I'm hearing you, um, uh, what I hear is a sense that, in a way, instead of um, the usual form of knowledge, which is capturing things in uh, language that is finite and, in a way, rigid, um, Mm -hmm. you're entering into a process, and uh, there is something of this process itself Um, which is, um, which is allowing in a way, uh, more understanding of what happens than rigid forms.
2: More, more inclusive and not only more inclusive in terms of what those processes can express and communicate, but what those forms can evoke in others. So not only can I gather a lot of who I am, and touch on many layers of experience when I write a poem, when someone reads that poem or hears me recite it, it's not just a communication of my literal experience. It it allows them to touch in and also gather for themselves what their analogous experiences have been.
0: So in a way, it's, it's a it's transmission of experience. It's kind of rec- allowing to recreate something or to, to to transmit a similar experience as opposed yes. to simply describing.
2: Yes, so that what what the person who hears the poem gets is not just a transmission of my experience, but an elicitation of theirs.
0: Yeah, an elicitation of theirs. So they're in process yes. as well. It's not something that's finite, but something that continues and is an active process.
2: Absolutely. And it's, it has a ripple effect.
0: So, as we're talking about these, these are terms that I would assume resonate very deeply for Lori.
1: Yes, the, the terms do. But also, as I was listening to Ray, you know, as I was listening to you share your experience, Describing you in your body and how it opens into image or metaphor or words or poetry. I was just like, Oh yes, that's, that's what happens with me. That's, that's Mm -hmm. my whole, that's my whole story. And if I felt, I felt the word resonance came to me and just what you were describing about Sharing a poem, but also when you were speaking, it's like, yes, all of that resonates very deeply with me and was kind of what I was saying in the beginning of how I got to combine, you know, focusing is, is my practice with, um, the expressive arts. So I would, I would like to, um, well, actually I'd like to add that in addition to focusing, I have a background also in, you know, other body oriented psychotherapies and having, having, uh, worked, you know, in different ways for a long time. So although I emphasize focusing because it, it's sort of the, the thing I've been cultivating for 30 years, I have the awareness of the other somatic approaches. So I, I would like to add, search if that seems right as a follow up um kind of take what ray said and how it combines with what what my senses and and mm-hmm. and, sh- and illustrate actually a a, a client mhm mhm cuz it would be a nice balance with the personal great yeah great yeah so what comes to me is that you know we we live in our body and it's true that many of us have become separated from being in the experience of our bodies. And there's a lot of movement towards getting to know our bodies and finding many ways to come into the body. And, you know, when I learned focusing, one of the things that I really liked about it is, is Jean Jen said, you know, that this is a natural process of listening inside to the body and and accessing what's there. And it's just about learning a way to be friendly to our experience to come into it. And he also said that creative people have probably always known this. And so what I mean is not just focusing, but about being in the body. He said creative people have probably only... I've always known this, but what's new and different, you know, with focusing or I think with any of the somatic approaches are the steps that can help people get there. So in my work, one of the things that I love so much with focusing is the simplicity of when I bring... Attention down inside to my body or guide a client to come down inside to their body. In focusing, we say, is there a word or a phrase, an image, a gesture or a sound that matches or acts like a handle for that inner felt sense? And then there's a waiting. Kind of pause and wait for something to come, and you know, in different moments, it it might be a word or a phrase or an image, a gesture, a sound. And for me, in the work of connecting, focusing, or somatics with the expressive arts, it was such so natural because the word or phrase easily becomes a poem or creative writing the image easily becomes an a visual art expression the gesture becomes a movement or a dance and this the sound becomes music or or voice and 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 so both processes are so natural, and that's why when Ray was just talking and she was describing, you know, being in the body and how the image comes and all of that, it's just it's just natural. So this 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 integration, this crossing of focusing and expressive arts, is just they are just together. There's nothing separate about it.
0: Yeah, what you're describing is um, something where. Um, as you try to uh, find if there is a, a word or an image or a movement uh, that corresponds to this felt sense as you're in that waiting moment, uh, in a way there is that poetic process, that artistic creative process that comes up because you're not in a literal mode of trying to put things in category, but you're literally waiting listening for the uh, uh, body to express itself in a poetic mode, as Ray was saying.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the process that happens when you're an artist or you're a musician and you're kind of in the midst of creating something and you don't yet know what it's going to be or what color is really the right color or what balance is the right balance. And there's kind of a waiting and a listening in the body. And that's sum up a little glimpse into how the somatic and the creative process are all like in there together and so you know
0: what's happening is even if we're not doing specifically uh, something that's labeled as uh, art therapy uh, we are very much in a creative process as a therapist and as a client and that's a very different mode than being a doctor or being in in the process of fixing people or repairing something that's wrong or talking about pathology, but there is an inherent quality of paying attention to the creative ability of the two people in the room.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I tell my students all the time that doing therapy is a creative process because we don't know moment to moment what is going to happen. We don't know what the client is going to say and then it requires us you know, listening and it's a, it's completely a creative process. So would it be okay if I share a little glimpse with the client? Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. So this was a, a client I was working with for a while and sometimes I begin, you know, just with a, I call it a, a focusing check in to just take a moment to go inside the body and, you know, relax and, and just to notice how how am i in this moment and so you know this the space becomes quiet and we we sit and wait allowing allowing the client to check inside their body so the client shared you know after a while that she had a burning sensation in her heart and her chest and so i said that you know back to her and then I asked her if there was a, a word or a phrase or an image, a gesture, a sound that matched that. And she got the image of a of a torn heart is what she said. So then I invited her to draw the the torn heart. So she used oil pastels and made this heart that was kind of bluish and purplish. And then she wrote, on one side of the paper underneath it, she wrote, bruised heart. And then on the other side, will it fall apart? Mm. And so for me, this is some of the the poetry of the body. Like the image came, and then the words just naturally came. And so then after she shared about that and we you know, I was listening to her. Then I invited her to go back inside and to sit down, to imagine sitting down next to that bruised heart and to just in a gentle way to ask it, you know, so, you know, what does it need? And then she took a little while and then she opened her eyes and she said, yep, I got it, and she... She added around the bruised heart these strong hands that she colored in orange color and then put this yellow light around the heart. And then she said that as she was with that, yeah, that there was this warmth came into the heart, into her chest, and it began to soften and it soothed the bruised heart. And she said a sense of faith emerged. And then she wrote underneath, she wrote strong hands holding it together. Mm. And so it's like what Ray was saying about how as you keep company in the body and as you open to the the messages that the body brings forth that speaks in this poetic language through image through color through sh- brief words you know the body has its way of healing itself and and carrying bringing forth yeah what it needs for healing and you know then there's a way of of like ray was saying about accessing the meaning I mean then you know there 's more things that could go that could come from that, which we 're not going to go into now because we have a little this is a short conversation, but just to see how the body speaks and intersects with creativity in such a natural way,
0: yeah, yeah, so that 's a very beautiful example of actually uh, yeah the that uh, that poetic interaction that poetic understanding that uh, Um, uh, and uh, a sense of also how it's not something where um, poetic or artistic is divorced from reality or from sensation, but actually it is very much fed by that um, very real contact with awareness of the body. Right,
1: exactly.
2: And what's, what's remarkable to me about your example, Laurie, is... That if one had attempted to explore those issues through literal narrative, tell me what's happening in your life right now. Mm -hmm. That although the client may have been able to say, well, you know, I'm going through a really difficult time with my partner and we're fighting a lot and I feel, you know, as though we're on really shaky ground, you could get a whole story that might map onto that experience of torn heart and and you might even be able to think your way through what a good possible solution for that difficult experience, difficult relational experience might be. Mm-hmm. But what I don't think you'd have is the actual experience of change. Right. That just talking through the narrative doesn't... Allow the insight, if there is one, to seep into a person's experience. Whereas with your client, she actually felt her heart soften. Right. She felt strengthened. Change was already occurring without there needing to be some externally manifested series of tasks to repair that relationship that she could go back to. I'm imagining this this relationship that's causing the heartbreak. Um, she could go back to that situation in her life with resources that she could feel. Yes, and I don't think that happens when you take apart people's life problems in a literal way.
0: Yeah, so and so try to the, solve them from there. There's mm-hmm. something very powerful, Ray, in you're describing this in saying that when you are in a process of uh, embodied poetry, Mm. uh, you are already in the process of change. Yes. And so you're already partly there, and that's something that feels like a very, very, very powerful uh, way to describe this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, and then there's an added thing about what the expressive art part does, to continue it because it's a wonderful dance between being in and hearing the body's messages and sensations and and how the answer comes naturally from within, from the client or in ourselves. And then, you know, especially with the visual art, This, you know, because I'm I'm seeing the picture that she drew. She then has that as the reminder, and in looking at it, it mirrors back or reflects back the somatic, the somatic knowing, and the somatic experience, and continues the process. It continues even further. So it's just also powerful, Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So your client doesn't have to remember. The issue. She doesn't have to remember the story in mm-hmm. order to take it out into her life and to do something about it. She mm-hmm. can look at the drawing and the drawing not only reminds her, it evokes that experience. Right. So it's alive for her. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Rather than something like, oh yeah, right. What am I supposed to do to solve that problem? Mm-hmm. What was that again? <laughs> Which I think is a very, it's just a very different way of
1: approaching psychotherapy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I and I think it's true cuz you do you know like movement and just movement or psychodrama or music it's when you add that added sensory dimension mm-hmm. to to the you know inner somatic attending it just yeah the the being able to carry it forward or what you remember is just on another level
0: Yeah So, Ray, as you were talking about this, um, there was a sense that, in a way, it's, uh, you know, while any specific modality, such as painting, drawing, dancing, um, is obviously something that's going to help the process this way, I think you were also talking about the fact that being in a certain state, finding a certain state, finding that kind of, uh, you know, embodied poetry state... Uh, Mm. independently of a specific, you know, creative expressive modality is also that part of poetic healing.
2: Yes. Uh, And I think that there are, there are a couple of things going on in that experience. One is that we're working with an experience of who we are on a level that's sort of inherently going to provide an experience of change. In the the same way that Lori described a process where she guided her client to a step where the question was asked, what does this broken heart need? And the answer comes out. Rather than having to stop and figure it out cognitively, that that working in this particular way sort of n- allows us to tap into what what Jean Jandlin would would call a natural process that we that we as human beings already know how to do this, and that the seeds of our needed transformation are already within us. I think it, it does that, but I think the other thing that it begins to do over time is to heal a really significant historic rift between our embodied experience and our conceptual ideas about who we are as human beings. That we're, at this point in time, really um, inheriting a legacy that's divided mind and body in ways that don't serve us. And that going back to the body, back to sensation, back to the creative, back to the artistic, and understanding ourselves through those ways of being actually begins to strengthen our confidence that those elements of ourselves are important and valuable and are as much a part of who we are and how we understand ourselves as the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are.
0: Yeah, so so in other words, to not just think of them as means to an end or tools uh, for a cure, but uh, a way, a practice uh, in which we inhabit a part of us that we don't live as much in, and Mm. that as we practice it more, uh, Mm. we increase, we expand our sense of self in a way that uh, helps us grow overall.
2: Yes, that we learn not just a strategy for helping ourselves change, but we learn a new way of being in the world.
0: So that sounds like a beautiful way to conclude. I want to just double-check if this would be, with both of you, if this might be a good place to, uh, in a way, bookmark uh, this conversation, or if you would want to add something else.
1: It feels good to me. Um
2: for our, for our next conversation search, I would love to spend some more time talking about how the creative process and implicit knowing can inform our research and our research methodologies Beautiful. because I think that that's a territory that still suffers from um a, from a fairly limited paradigm of what we understand knowledge to be. And I think that that's one of the contributions that somatic psychotherapists and expressive arts therapists can can make to the field of clinical psychology research is to support that there's more than one way of knowing something and that it is possible to do sound, rigorous, coherent research into those territories and bring them forth in meaningful ways.
0: This recording is part of the podcast at relationalimplicit.com.
2: Conversation search. I would love to spend some more time talking about how the creative process and implicit knowing can inform our research and our research methodologies. Beautiful. Because I think that that's a territory that still suffers from... Um, from a fairly limited paradigm of what we understand knowledge to be. And I think that that's one of the contributions that somatic psychotherapists and expressive arts therapists can, can make to the field of clinical psychology research is to support that there's more than one way of knowing something and that it is possible to do sound, rigorous, coherent research into those territories, and bring them forth in meaningful ways.
0: This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website relationalimplicit.com.